This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. 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 <laughs> Welcome. Roman, what up? What What's, do we have with us what today? What is up, Brian? Good to see you. Yes, it's another special episode because we have a special guest. The young, the beautiful, the talented, the powerful Amy Dalton is in the house. Amy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, my God. What a blessing. Yes, it it, it truly is a blessing. Amy is a powerhouse. Amy has been instrumental in both of our lives and has truly helped to transform hundreds, if if not maybe at this point, even thousands (laughs) of people based upon the ripple effect in the universe. This is just so amazing. Amy, we always have a couple of questions we like to ask our guests. Thank you for being on, by the way. Oh, you're yes. welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, Amy, question number one. Yes. And we didn't go over this before because okay. we wanted to be real and on the spot. Yes. What is your vision? My vision for the world is a world where all different forms of recovery, all different forms of healing can come together and Whatever your background, whatever your story, whatever your pain point, it can be healed through whatever method um, works for you without the shame. And what I've noticed in uh, the world today is that there's a lot of grouping around this is the right way to recover. This is not the right way to recover. This is the way to heal. This is not the right way. And to have a kind of bonding and merging of we just want to raise the consciousness of this world and find healing and find love and um so have that merging where we're all in this together. Ooh. Mm, in it together. Nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Amy Dalton. I'm Captain in Dalton. I'm, I'm, got I'm this. In. I'm in. Have you guys found that that's kind of the case? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some diversity. There's some people really committed to being right about what recovery looks like. There's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions yes. mm. about what to do, what not to do, what's sober, what's not sober. Mm-hmm. And part of what we wanted to do with this podcast is to bring all opinions. We stand as a non-biased source. And mm-hmm. so we just whatever. I mean, let's re- have the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Let's have the conversation. I so start it out. So, Amy, that leads to question number two. What do you love? I love I love learning about spirituality. I love new things. I love uh the the newest book, the newest phase, the newest mystical thing, the newest healing method. I am a mystic of all sorts and Ooh, um, yeah. take me to the jungle, take me to <laughs> take me to wherever I need to go to explore um, deeper ways of learning and healing, and I'm just a sponge for that. So that's that's what I love. Love, I love, love. Yeah. Beautiful. Right yeah. on, Amy. Well, yeah. why don't we dive into number three? Okay. Question Wh- number three. Yes. What is a book yes. that has shaped you, played an important role in your life, or has a significant meaning to you? There is a book called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss, and mm-hmm. it is a past life regression book. And when I was getting newly sober, I was in a recovery center 
that was a lockdown facility where um, I wasn't allowed to leave for a year. And so gave year. me, uh, yeah. How yeah. old were you when that happened? I was 21 years old. Okay. And uh, when, you know, when you uh, get through every other rehab that there is in the United States, then they send you to the lockdown ones in the middle of the woods in New Jersey. So you worked your way up. I worked yeah. my way up to the last, they say that it's for the uh, reluctant to recover. They put you in the middle of the, the woods. So right. I didn't have a, um, any cell phone or anything. So all I could do was read. And I was feeling really at the time, just uncertain as to how I had screwed up my life so bad and like what was the meaning of my life there I was without a job you know seven rehabs later uh 210 pounds sitting in a long-term rehab going why did my life turn out like this and what that book showed me and this is my personal belief along with a million other beliefs but I like this one yeah that we choose the lessons that we want to learn and then we come back and we play out those lessons and if we heal them then we can like levitate or move up to like the next level so I figure that I'm just kind of bashing through a lot of uh, karmic lessons in this life. So right. my next one's going to be real smooth and easy based on what Ooh, I've experienced. You know? okay. But it kind of helped yeah. me handle and ex- uh, be okay with death too because it was like, you know, there is no death. We're always recreating and and um, turning into something new and there's always a rebirth. And so I just kind of like that idea that I'm not just dead forever, that yeah. there's like a continual – life force so maybe it's true maybe it's not maybe it'll be reincarnated into a squirrel I mean, I'm still hoping to be a flying squirrel you know so I mean I feel like I am right now a squirrel you yeah. <laughs> I a think squirrel I was in a man's and body maybe, I hope that I, I I believe that I was a squirrel and now hopefully will return to being a squirrel yeah yes because that's what you're meant to be right. I don't know but I really liked that book it was a definitely a different perspective than anything I'd ever it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Wow, awesome. Amy. Well, why, don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, you kind of jumped yeah. into it a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, so, so um, I was uh, unbeknownst to me. Well, let me just go back. So uh, I was born in New Jersey. and mm-hmm. um, Good old New Jersey. New Jersey. At two and a half years old, I was sexually abused by my father. And I <sighs> did not recognize that, was not able to come to terms with that until just a few years ago, actually. So I had a weight problem from a very early age. Obviously, now I know why that's traced back to that. Mm. But um, so I was using food to cope at a very young age and had this shame and this secret that I was keeping from from my father. My father was an alcoholic. So um, it's kind of no surprise that after years and years of being fat and pushing guys away and being the girl with the pretty face that was fat, um, I moved to California and the first drug that I tried was crystal meth. Cause I was like, my girlfriend said, Hey, if you snort a line of this, you know, you're going to lose a lot, bunch of weight. Yeah. I didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. I was like, Hey, I'm down to do that. You know? Right. So, um, it worked. Uh, and that was the first drug I ever <laughs> it <always> tried. Works. <laughs> it always works the first time, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I dropped a bunch of weight and I was feeling really hot and I thought that this was a miracle drug. I got straight A's. I got into colleges for a vocal scholarship. It was like a complete miracle until it wasn't a miracle. Mm. Um, and I don't know if many of you know, but uh, once you slip into smoking crystal meth, things can get a little crazy and squirrely and it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to do much mm. good anymore. And you go into, uh, I started to steal and and lie and found a way to siphon $40,000 of my scholarship money for college. Uh, the only one in history that's been able to steal that money to use drugs. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you yes, so much. That takes some skill. Um, yeah. 
you know, uh, became an alcoholic, gained a bunch of weight. The crystal meth wasn't working anymore. All of a sudden I was 210 pounds, rehab after rehab after rehab. But every time I would go to rehab, I'd gain weight. I wasn't really feeling the steps, you know, and yeah. um, eventually ended up in a long-term treatment center. Like right. I said, um, it was kind of like a miracle situation where someone came to speak for me. I had three years. I was looking at three years um, in prison, and they came in. The public defender said, you're going to go to jail. This woman said, don't send her to jail. She's got a beautiful heart. It would be a waste to send her to jail. Mm-hmm. I went to this rehab. I got out, and then I started my life as, like, sober, you yeah. know, like miracle. Oh, my God. God is good. Twelve steps is the answer. And so – that was what I did for eight years. I was, uh, you would call a big book thumper. Uh, I had uh, many sponsees. I'm sure that Brian can remember hearing me speak. I was yeah. very memorized big book with thumper. I was a big book thumper. Very prolific. Very yes. prolific because that's what I did. You see, I'd become very good at mastering the art of knowing all the material and saying all the right things, but living a secret life. And so, mm. even within the program of AA, I was still. Sometimes stealing. I was not letting people say, see that I was very insecure. I was very um, right uh, into my body, scared to be hurt, um, had all this shame around my sexual abuse, which I had not revealed to anyone. I went through the steps many, 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 many times, and that didn't come up. Wow. Um, and ultimately, I think that getting to that platform of feeling like so responsible for AA and being a sponsee, it, I couldn't get vulnerable enough to say... I'm still screwed up and I'm I'm struggling with stuff. Right. And ultimately it led to me relapsing and mm. relapsing in this very secretive way. I had a whole I was going to meetings high, like a whole thing going on. Yeah. And of course it spiraled and it spiraled and um I was just like so anti going back to AA. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And so right. I actually went to the jungle of of Peru and um I got sober. Whoa. Yeah, I got sober, and you were I, like, I need to go. <laughs> I need to I go need to, to the jungle. Take me to the jungle. Because I had read that ayahuasca was this incredible form of healing, and yeah. this other way. So I watched heroin addicts um, heal, and I watched alcoholics heal, and I saw myself confront my father as a child and see this demon and his father, and I saw my sexual abuse and and the healing behind it, and I let it go, and it was almost like this pain was lifted, right. And so um, I came back and I tried to do AA again, and I think AA is a beautiful, absolutely incredible tool for um, tons of people. And for me, it felt inauthentic. Mm -hmm. It felt like there were other forms of recovery that I could find. And Mm. so it's been a real exploration since I've been back to try and kind of be in alignment with myself of Mm – because you always hear like, oh, you know – we're praying for you. Right. Mm-hmm. We're praying for you out there, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and kind of embracing that maybe my path is a little different. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, forms of meditation and transformational work that I know you two have been through. Right. And um, work on my sexual abuse healing and work on uh, the 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 healing stuff around my relationship with my body and spoken mm. word performances like the one mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing very very yeah, soon. Yeah, when is that? It's September 9th. Okay. I believe that I'm going to be doing it. If not, I'll definitely be there, but book that on your calendar, guys. But yeah. I would ask you guys so let me ask you the question. What have Whoa. you found? Wait, hold on. 
That's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> we asked the question. Yeah. Oh, can I ask you one question? Yes. Yeah. Go for it. So well, I know that you both do spoken word things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't you feel like that's a very cathartic and healing, artistic form of expressing? Yes, absolutely. Of expressing what's in your heart. That's that's a little different. Yeah, I I did one for the first time. What was it? A couple months ago. Two months ago. Yeah. And I was crazy insecure about it. I was trembling on stage. And then I got there, and I just literally opened my heart, pulled it out of my chest, and left it on the stage, and walked away like free. Wow, free, mm-hmm. free from the things that I was talking about, and mm-hmm. what I was talking about was addiction, right? Yeah. Obviously, right. Mm-hmm. And it was it was beautiful for me, and I know Brian's had similar experiences. Yeah, I did uh, my first piece probably nine months ago now, and it was a chance to kind of like what's been said, absolutely like connect with yeah. a feeling and an emotion where time almost takes a chance to just stand still. Yeah, You're up there in the light. It was bright and I really couldn't see a crowd. All I like saw was white light and mine also was about addiction and someone I knew who killed himself um, after like yeah. really connecting with me and me with him. And it was just emotional. It was a chance to feel. I know one thing of, that addiction did for me was rob me of feeling. For a long time, I, I literally felt like a like a like a like a human shell. Like I was in a I was a I was like a being in a shell. I couldn't feel anything, which worked really well for me when I was stealing, robbing, lying, and cheating. Like right. that that was a good way to be because I could get away with. Uh, being a pretty horrible person because I just didn't feel anything. Right. But yeah. then getting sober, like being like that, it's like shit. I lived like I needed to drink and do drugs, but like being sober, I needed to live to not drink and do drugs. And I needed to figure out a way that I could pull that off. Yeah. So spoken word was an avenue that, yeah, was pretty effective at dropping you into your heart. Right. And I, and I like what Roman was saying was like leaving it on the stage. And it just opened the door for like tons of other things outside of the typical path of recovery, mm-hmm. which is something you started to talk about was that a lot of people think of you get sober, you go to treatment, you get a sponsor, and then you, you get lame. <laughs> you you join a uh, you join a support group. Yeah. You go to a sober living. And you, you go to Denny's every Friday. Yeah, you go to Denny's, <laughs> you get a job at a grocery store, and that's it. Right. Yep. And then, yeah. Watch a lot and of porn. Like, yeah. And, that, and that's like, <laughs> that is not an accurate representation of what recovery is. Yeah. Right. Like, if I got sober and that was, if that was the life, I, <laughs> I would be loaded right now. Right. That sounds terrible. Right. You know, and it's, and it's, it's like what you're talking about is, Carving your own path. Yeah, and Amy, you're up to big things. Like, yeah. Why don't you tell us what's going on? Well, I, th- I think I'm in a, an exploration of a lot. I'm, I'm very focused right now around connecting the, the sexual abuse piece. So mm. I know that one in, I believe it's three, one in three women are sexually abused. And mm. uh, it's very likely that uh, they don't remember it. It doesn't mm-hmm. come to fruition in your brain uh, till later in life. And... Yes, there are the steps. Yes, there is therapy. But um, what I see missing is that there is a lack of other avenues around healing this. For the women that and men who have had issues in that area, 
what kinds of signs and symptoms, like what kind of things could you notice in someone like that? And how could you also then be there to support them. Yeah. So um, signs and symptoms are uh, drug addiction, um, <laughs> being yeah. having body image, weight problems, weight issues, um, abusive relationships, mm. all the telltale signs of that women usually struggle with. But mm. I will say that uh, I was asked in rehab, you know, when I was 21 and 25 years old, hey, you've got looks like you've got all the criteria where you sexually abused. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Would people stop no, asking me that? No. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know, so it's what I think is also missing is I wish there was like a center or a place where people could go that where EMDR was available, mm. where ayahuasca ceremonies were available. EMDR for the lay people. Yeah. I don't even know what that stands for, but it's like it's got two <laughs> eye, little eye blinky. movement, rapid Rep- desensitation. Very good. Okay, yes. so you know, I am a student of EMDR. Yes, so love you, it. Yes, so it's like a post traumatic stress thing. It connects you with memories and then helps okay. you retrain your brain as to how Whoa. to yeah heal them differently. It doesn't really make sense. You're like sitting there with these two things that are clicking or this little like yeah. beep beep, but but it's it's profoundly different. What sh- what story you can say and tr- what triggers it, and then recreating that story into something oh, that isn't as painful. Okay. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I think a lot of body work, so similar to the Ascension Leadership Academy, that's one piece, but yes. getting connected, I was I had tight hips my whole life mm-hmm. and I never understood, okay, I'm going to yoga all the time and they're saying, Okay, one day you'll be able to touch your toes and I'm <laughs> like, Am my toes I'm not touching my toes, you know? <laughs> and um but addressing the memories around that and mm-hmm. actually getting connected to like the womb and the trauma and uh feeling being in I know that as an addict, um a lot of it was disconnecting from my body. I wanted out of here. Like this was right. not safe. It wasn't my home. And especially if you've been sexually abused, it doesn't feel safe to be in your body. So getting back into the somatic, into the cathartic mm. uh, healing can unlock memories that can really support in healing. So, you know, I'm I'm up to a lot of different things. And I think that it's, I'm not sure where it's all going to end yet, mm-hmm. but I want there to be other avenues and other forms of healing. And I think it's very specific to each person too. Right. You know? I've got a question for you. Yeah. What, what would you say to those listeners out there who um, want to pursue something like that and like want to get cathartic, want to like do a spoken word, want, want to like be vulnerable, but are scared? Like, what would you say to them to, like, bridge that gap? Like, how could they Excellent. overcome the fear yeah. that's question. paralyzing them? Mm-hmm. Like, what type of um, tips or tricks or what type of how, – how could you prep them? Yeah, so, I mean, there are lots of – one of the the women that is going to be in this, this body uh, – performance has an embodiment live program where she helps people to write their story and then at the end of it helps them perform it. So of course that's, that costs money and that's a whole program in and of itself. But for what I know I have found very cathartic and it sounds very cheesy and very simple, but like writing and getting releasing and um, even, even so much as sometimes if you're, I if like can't sleep or whatever, and your mind is going, just putting on your voice recorder and dumping everything <sighs> that is that is coming out of your brain, um, can be very cathartic because it's a way to release, you know. Yeah. And um, so what do you, what do you guys feel? Do you feel like that's been helpful for? It seems so simple, but how how many times do people actually do it? I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I know for me, it was like my experience was, this is what you do. And this is how you get sober. This is how you stay sober. And this is how you live life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, it was like, 
I was yearning, desperately yearning for more. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need more. I need mm-hmm. more. I need more. And it was just becoming willing and open-minded yeah. to do other things. Right. Yeah. And then just explore. Like it sounds like you're exploring. Exactly. And, and it's fun. Yeah. And it's a process. And you figure out what works, what doesn't work. You try new things. And you're like, whoa, this, is, this has been wonderful. Right. You know, the spoken word. I was like, there's no chance I would ever do that. And yeah. I did it. And I'm like, I want to do this all the time. I love it. Right. I mean, I thought to myself there would be no way that I would do like interpretive woo-woo dance with a bunch of women like, you know, like growling and stuff. But that can also be very cathartic, you know. One thing that's been really powerful for me is um, finding a tribe and having some people around me that I felt like I could finally open up to and trust and the type of people that were willing to interrupt my like bullshit attitude right. like my fears my setbacks my limiting beliefs i've had people in my life and including you including roman who've been willing to take a stand for me and yeah. interrupt the conversation that i've had in my head that has held me small right and that's been monumental instrumental powerful in moving me out of where i am into taking the step into at least the direction of where i want to be exactly yeah. And I think uh, I think what's also really powerful and very important is that wh- at least what I got caught into in recovery is that that was where I I learned how to be a human being again. I know that you guys do sober life coaching, so you're coaching people on the basics, like how to balance a checkbook and stuff. And so when yeah. you come from nothing to this is your foundation, it's yeah. hard to almost even tell the truth about like, wow, I want to explore something else. Yeah. I'm scared. Is this my is this my disease talking? Mm-hmm. Is this me wanting to leave because I want to go drink? Is it, so it's it's yeah. a very fine balance between, I think, giving people the option where they don't have to lie and say, oh yeah, I'm in, yeah. you know, I do my medi every every day yeah. and I'm in sixty four to eighty eight or eighty four <laughs> to eighty eight yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, so staying grounded in the principles of having mm-hmm. integrity, being your word, at, putting your head down on the pillow at night, going to thine own self, be true. Yeah. What I only know what I was doing, right. and um, and then, then also honoring yourself of like, wow, I think I want to explore more. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. So it's tricky because yeah. with addiction, your mind can also trick you. Like, I want to explore more. Like, I want to explore like smoking weed, but still yeah. being sober, and like yeah. see how that goes. Yeah. You know, and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so addiction, for, for those guys that don't know or aren't familiar with addiction, is like your mind is... Tricky. Is tricky. Tricky yeah. is an understatement. <laughs> it's like literally I can convince myself to do anything and be justified yeah. in whatever right. it is. So it is really a balance act. It's fine line. And I know that's something Brian and I preach a lot, especially in our coaching services, is purpose. Yeah. is like... Blocking out all the white noise of whoever has this opinion or this opinion or what these people tell you and just getting real with yourself. And when you're able to get real with yourself, you don't have to lie. You don't have to look good. You don't have to please anyone. Like the truth comes out. And based on that truth, you can make a plan, like a well-formulated plan Mm -hmm. on what to do. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, um, to face yourself. Yeah, you know, it's really scary. And, and continually face yourself because I know that it's been a process of I'm facing myself and then I'm comfortable right. and then it's good. But now I got to face myself and say, okay, yep. wait, this comfortable just became now I'm being complacent. Yeah, you know, so now like I got to get a new kind of yeah. uncomfortable into yeah. stepping into something else. So it's, it's like a continual fine line. It is, mm. but it's, it's like, beautiful. It is, and that's that's 
people don't get it. It is a fine line, but mm-hmm. that fine line is magic. Because what I don't, what I, what I would wish for anyone of anyone in the world, recovery or not, is to not just settle for okay, I got sober and now that's it. Yeah, you know, and so I've got my little things that I do, and I've got my little things, and I'm safe yeah. and protected. It's like, and you weren't, you did not get sober or clean to be safe and I mean, you be safe, but to live a mediocre life. Mm-hmm. No. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people, don't get me wrong, some people. That's true. Some people are like, I just I just don't want to do drugs anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about anything else. I just don't want to die. Right. Right. And that's a good place to start. That's true. But there is a difference. We talk about this all the time. There is a difference between sobriety and recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because sobriety is, I'm sober. Mm-hmm. And no reco- mood or mind altering chemicals. Exactly. And recovery is not just a I've recovered, it's a continual. Mm-hmm. I'm always recovering. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it doesn't there's no end it's not I okay, I stop on my thirty fifth birthday. Right. Then I'm done recovering. Right. You know, and recovery doesn't have to be just for people in sobriety. Yeah. Recovery is for everyone. Right. Because right. we're all recovering from Trauma, drama, life, stress. Oh this, my god! That. Like relationships. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about people right. that aren't even in sobriety and and how they could be more useful. Like, yes, yes, right. everyone could use recovery. Yeah, it yeah. Br- it brings to mind to me like a metaphor of like our life being like a garden, you know, and mm-hmm. and any garden that's flourishing is occasionally going to have weeds that crop up. Yeah, and like a good gardener being being stewards of the land that we get to be of our own selves and in in our lives and the directions we go, we get to pull the weeds. And the reason you do that is so what's there grows. Yeah. You know, and that's called keeping current. That's keeping your house clean, keeping the, the soil fertile. And that's why I'm inspired by people like you, Amy, yeah. with by you, Roman, that by people that continue to walk that line and like show me, well, shit, dude, I could do it too. Yeah. And I can take another stab at it. And like big, the big life event, fuck it. Like bring it on. You know, well, it gives and, me courage. Right. And I, and that's why I really am very inspired by you two. It was like you guys had an idea to do a sober life. And now you've got a podcast. And now you're having the conversations that need to be had. Yeah. You Shout know? out Specialty Produce Network. Yeah, baby. Love you guys. <laughs> yeah, but no, um, Amy, the fact that you were just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to the jungle. Yeah. And figure yeah. some shit out. No. Right. Right? Like And it's not a solution for everybody. Right. You know? What it, what like when was enough enough? Like that's like that's kind of the question a lot of times with addiction. It's like, well, like shit, like what what like what what was like your moment of clarity? Like what when did you realize like wow, this is this is enough? Like I'm ready to do something serious about this. You have like prior to the going to the jungle? I mean that yeah. that particular case it was um, I was in a relationship that was complete, completely tumultuous. I was hiding my addiction. I was mm. hiding drinking. I was still talking to people from AA. I mean, that's that's enough is enough. I mean, when yeah. you're still talking to people in AA and you're using and the yeah. person that you're living with doesn't know that you're using and you're trying to like coach people and stuff like I mean it was that's that was a serious mind fuck living I mean, a little you know? bit fraudulently yeah <laughs> I mean that was I, I the only thing I could c- 
conceptualized putting my brain around was like I need a massive intervention of some <laughs> other kind. I need a shaman in the jungle yeah, to do it. a serious like uh, what is it exorcism of yeah, some things. But yeah. what I'll say is that in the last year, enough has been enough at certain times. Mm. Enough has been enough around um, the way that I was acting in, in a relationship with a man that I love um, yeah. around not addressing my sexual abuse and not being honest about it, not speaking about it because my father's still alive, you know, yeah. and protecting that secret because he, I, you know, I, and like letting that go and saying my relationship is, is at risk because I'm not mm-hmm. taking this on. So I'm back in a different kind of therapy mm-hmm. right now, simultaneously with doing everything else. I'm, I'm opposed. I'm never opposed to stopping anything, mm-hmm. you know? So what's that like with your father? I mean, knowing that, that that had occurred and how, how is your relationship with him now? He's currently um, in the depths of his addiction. So he yeah. has, he has come up for air um, to be sober only when his landlord has come and broken down his house or mm. um, he's okay. slipped and fallen. So he has mm-hmm. been out of it and we haven't been in communication since I've really confronted this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What I promised myself was I, I know in my heart that it doesn't matter to s- confront him because he's not in the, he's, he's in denial of himself. Mm. He'll lie. Um, he's always lied about his alcoholism. However, if he does ever get, a year sober, then I will absolutely have the conversation with him. Mm, right. But I don't believe that I need to have it um, in order to heal, mm. you know, but I don't believe that I need to protect the secret anymore because it's right. not mine to protect. Right. That's wow. Yeah. That's huge that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that I know that have had this type of trauma happen to them and they're waiting for their external circumstances, like the abuser, the father, the the family member or the, or the friend to come to them. Yeah, and their healing based upon that mindset is based upon an event happening instead of being the sole and uncontested author of their life and taking initiative to really get the healing that they need. Right. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge you for that. Yeah. Thank you. And, and what would you say to our listeners to also inspire or motivate or maybe evoke in them um, the power to claim healing to claim. I think it's it's more like when you first of all I want to break the cycle. You know, mm. I want to be a mother. I want to raise my child um the way that I was not raised um with the freedom um I know how the cycles of abuse can perpetuate. Right. And um I wanted to experience unconditional love. I've been very hard on myself. I've I've hated myself and my body for a very long time and it yeah. really had nothing to do with me and I met a man that just said to me, you know, what happened to you? And like, you, you are resisting this love. And it was like, I can continue to live a life fearing love because of what I was gone through. Or mm. I can say no. Yeah. yeah. Like, I get to, I get to experience love that I've never actually felt before because yeah. I didn't know what unconditional love was, but I'm going to risk it all. And, and to break the cycle and to heal the shame. And, um, and it's just the beginning, you know, I mean, I'm in the beginning, but, um, I'm committed to doing the work to, uh, to, to be a stand for it. Like I said, I believe I chose my father and my mother before I got here. So Mm -hmm. if I chose them, I better heal this. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's so amazing. This is this has been amazing. Lover or hate her, Amy Dalton Amy stands Dalton. for transformation <laughs> yeah. and, wherever and, she goes. In, in closing, Amy, what I do want to say before we wrap this up yeah. is that I have known you 
we have known you for a while now, and yeah. my experience is that you're continuously you're continuing to always grow and always take the next opportunity. And what I know about a lot of people in who are sober or struggling to get sober is that continuation. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. Like, where do you find the inspiration and motivation to keep going and keep moving forward? I think it's in paying attention to the newest things that are coming out. Like, I think that we uh, live in a world where there's a lot of different in listening to podcasts and having these conversations and someone listening to this and then being referred to a certain therapist, being referred to a certain shaman, being referred to a certain book, just um, always being hungry, always being Mm -hmm. hungry and open. Like, wow, I, I think I know a lot. I I really don't know anything. What else you got? Mm -hmm. You know, show me something else. Yeah. So just being open and being hungry and exposing Mm -hmm. yourself, you know, listening to podcasts, exposing yourself to books, going to trainings, um, giving back, putting yourself out there, yeah. you know, nice. being curious about other people's lives. Mm. Love it. And yeah. last little nuggets of wisdom for our people. Yeah, what's the last thing you got for our listeners, people who are watching and listening on the podcast? Uh, to thine own self be true. The truth will set you free and uh, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. <laughs> do whatever it takes. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. This has been an, another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. We love you. And thanks for listening. Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste, and culinary application on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app today 